Hello and welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Wael Hattar. Uh, with me this episode is Manal Ataya, who's Director General of Museum Departments in Sharjah, as well as Ali Al Mullah, who's creator of Sharjah Art Museums. Hello. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning to everyone. I'm going to give a quick intro of, of, of a little bit of intro, both of you, and before we go into the actual conversation. So in this episode, we're going to be talking in details about the Sharjah Art Museum and its history as well as its development and, and its place in society in Sharjah and its interaction with everybody, as well as have a chance to discuss the larger museum aspects that is the, that are the sister museums of the Sharjah Art Museum, as well as that whole development into it and how... Uh, and connecting to all the other episodes that we've had about Sharjah and, and the art and culture that's developing here, how that's kind of encompassed over the years, mm-hmm. and how we've all grown to the better for it. So we will start with Manal. Mm-hmm. And just to give kind of the overview, first of all, uh, I know that there are about 16 or 17 museums in or under the museum department. Can you give a little bit example of that before we get into the specific Sharjah Art one? Sure, okay. Uh, just briefly, the uh, Sharjah Museums Authority, we've been uh, renamed to an authority uh, recently. Um, we were established in 2006, and we have a number of museums that we currently manage. Uh, they are 16 at the moment, and they cover a range of sort of diverse areas um, as well as collections. Um, and they include things such as uh, maritime heritage, uh, UAE heritage in general, um, archaeology, ca- calligraphy, art, contemporary art, and um, Islamic history, and also children's learning. So it's quite a diverse uh, group of museums that cater to basically different needs, different interests. And is Sharjah Art Museum the only art uh, or artistic museum within those? Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely the largest one. I mean, the calligraphy museum obviously also has... Um, art, uh, calligraphy is an art form, so it does um, showcase um, collections, which are uh, art collections, as well as exhibitions on calligraphy in general, um, classic and contemporary. But also the Islamic Museum, um, depending on uh, its programming, will have different uh, variations of Islamic art as well, so contemporary as well as classic uh, art collections. So it's, um, it's one of the sort of three museums that really focus on arts in different forms. But as a um, as an arts, purely arts institution, uh, looking at programming that um, has always highlighted local and international artists in both contemporary and modern um, art forms is been mainly the uh, Charge Art Museum. You guys are still a governmental department, correct? Yes, correct. So we get all our funding from the government. And then how is this separate to the cultural department? Uh, the cultural department, uh, the Department of Cultural Information, was uh, established... Um, 30 years ago now, um, and it was the first um, government department that was there at the time to oversee the cultural programming for Sharjah. And when I say programming, I use that word because there's uh, such a variety of things that happen in Sharjah, from the Sharjah Book Fair to the Theater Days to Heritage Festivals to um, art exhibitions, etc. So there's a wide range of things, and of course a lot of things I haven't even mentioned. Um, they're quite uh, extensive. Um, the Department of Culture would oversee a lot of those activities. Of course, as these activities grew and became uh, bigger and larger, and, um, and also new activities uh, came into play, it was decided that the Department of Culture perhaps would would focus on certain areas and let other um, new departments or new government entities take over different aspects. So the book fair, the way it grew into such a uh, important and 
um, huge ac uh, event in itself needed a sort of specialized, you know, uh, dedicated uh, um, authority for that, which is now why we have the Sharjah Book Authority that has uh, the, the right kinds of people in terms of skills and qualifications that can um, oversee all that kind of work. And then also um, for us, the same thing in the museums, when the museum started to grow and we started to increase new museums and um, and build uh, and, and look forward to building new museums, it was also uh, rightly so I thought that we also need to have a dedicated you know, uh, government department that would have, again, skilled people in museums, uh, in the museum field. So museum skilled um, professionals that could do different aspects that were needed to ensure that museums were uh, designed correctly, uh, that they were um, exhibiting the right kinds of work, that they were curated properly, and that the educational program would be consistent. I guess later on in the conversation, I'd like to get into the overlap between you guys and the cultural department, as yeah. well as the Char Charger Art Foundation with yeah. ultra semi-government, yeah. and kind of how that works and doesn't work sometimes. But okay. before we get to that, I'd like to kind of ask Alia to give us a little brief history of the Sharjah Art Museum in itself, as well as, um, I guess, your time in it. Okay. So the Sharjah Art Museum was established and opened in 1997. It started off with uh, the collection from His Highness, the ruler of Sharjah. He had given part of his personal collection to the museum for display. So we have that in our, uh, it's part of our collection. We take care of it. We, we display it between time and again. Uh, so that's how it first started off. And then the previous director who was at the museum, th I mean, they did a lot of uh, group exhibitions or solo exhibitions, mostly for Arab artists. I mean, that's how they started off. I mean, th there were personal contacts uh, in addition to artists who found out about the museum. Then they started approaching the director to have exhibitions. I mean, so that was what was happening in the first few years. And from those exhibitions as well, uh, a lot of the works were being acquired to form our collection and grow. Uh, that's how it first started off. Uh, for the museum itself, I mean, I've been working there for the past uh, 13, 14 years almost. So I started off as an exhibitions coordinator and then assistant curator and now the curator of the museum. So the growth and the progress was quite um, positive and it evolved in a very uh, organic, natural way. So before, I mean, when I first joined previously, it was part of the Department of Culture, what we just talked about, Manal was explaining. Uh, and then in 2006, when the Sharjah Museum's department, now the authority, which was established, I mean, things changed a lot in terms of structure and administration, how the museums were being managed. I I'm sure Manel can explain about that a bit more. Uh, things really did improve a lot. I mean, we had proper procedures, proper standards. I mean, all the museums started to implement uh, certain ways and procedures to hold exhibitions, to organize exhibitions. Uh, even in terms of staffing, we tried as much as we could to hire uh, people with experience, with expertise, or uh, at the time, I mean, there was no formal training in arts or museums in, in most of the universities in the UAE. But then we would try our best to make sure we, we would get the best people who would be able to help us grow further. As a charger to some of our listeners, uh, we've mentioned this before, it's the, this is the, what they call the third emirate in the United Arab Emirates. And it's always historically been kind of the more prominent of the emirates in terms of culture and art. Do any of you know the history before the Sharjah Art Museum? Was there anything there? that I know that there is the Emirates Fine Arts Society. Um, did, did you guys kind of, did it develop from them? Do you have any history about that develop, that combination? Or is it just, as uh, Ali had mentioned, it was just a private collection that somehow exploded into a permanent situation? 
Um, uh, the Emirates Fine Art Society, yes, it did play a very integral part in this whole uh, movement. I mean, it was established in 1981. Uh, I, I mean, thought it was earlier than that. 1980 or 81, around mm -hmm. that time, yes. Uh, I mean, the artists were, were already here. I mean, in the 70s, they were practicing, but the Fine Art Society was, let's say, like it was like the first formal uh, physical location for, for artists to gather, uh, practice art, exchange ideas, and have uh, collaborations. So it started off from there. And then, I mean, I guess probably with these uh, experiences and a lot of work was being produced, so there was a need for a museum or a gallery or a place where they could exhibit, and then this movement would grow further. So after that, the museum was established, and it's right across from the Emirates Fine Art Society. So obviously, I mean, it was an organic growth, and it happened naturally. It wasn't, I mean, the museum wasn't created in isolation by itself, yeah. just to be an art museum, or the Fine Art Society wasn't created just like that. I mean, there was a need for it. So it all evolved. I mean, that whole area, if, if you visit it now, it's all, I mean, cultural, art-related. You have all these entities working there together. So, I mean, yeah, it all works together. And this is the first art museum in Sharjah as well as the Emirates. But is it also from, from, the, from the region? Is it also one of the earlier ones? In the Gulf. Uh, it was the first uh, art museum in the Gulf region. That's kind of heavy and intense for you guys to kind of work and develop and carry on. Do you, is there a lot of responsibility you feel? Um, I think definitely. I think whenever you're um, involved in building a new institution or carrying on um, the legacy of a previous institution, there's a lot of pressure to ensure that, you know, you're keeping to the mission and, and the, you know, the original sort of vision of what, or ethos, let's say, of what that uh, institution is about. But at the same time, you also have to struggle with the challenges of thinking about how you can make some changes, adapt to new needs in the new environment. Um, technology plays a part in that, of course. Uh, young audiences, maybe, that you, you that weren't the original sort of uh, um, demographic you had originally looked at or were looking at before have now become, play a much larger role. So how do you, you know, deal with these different aspects and make it more relevant to people today? And I think that's a struggle any institution has that's been around for 30 years or 100 years or whatever it might be. So. It's just a bit kind of, uh, I mean, as I, I was born and raised here, and, and we've always had kind of culture not around, yeah. but to think that is the first ever museum here, let alone the Gulf, is, is, is a bit of a shock, especially when you know that how old Oman is as a country and how kind of it's been going, or even how Kuwait has been in the arts kind of earlier than all other Gulf. So it's just hard to kind of wrap my head around it myself, let alone kind of take it as for granted as an actual logical Point. Yes, I mean, I think it, that's it's an interesting point that you're making, but I, I should say that, you know, um, being the first museum in the in the Gulf region at that time, I'm, I'm we're talking about it being as a as an official one. Um, I think what a lot of people take for granted is that a lot of um, people in the Gulf region, as well as, of course, in the Arab world, um, have always been collectors of, of art, um, and they often have had their own sort of private museums. That's a phenomenon you find a lot in, in the okay. Gulf region. A lot of people have their own private museums within their, within their house compound or own another building where they, they showcase uh, their work. Um, a lot of people here uh, do collect a lot of heritage material, but they also do collect art and other, other kinds of artifacts, so you get a variety of things 
No, true, but I'm talking about actual government investing yeah, and yeah, funding, and yes. that's... No, I agree, I agree. But, I mean, I think it's important for people to know that it's not that it sort of came out of nowhere. Mm. There was there was an interest already in art. There were people collecting yeah, no, uh, artworks. There were people who were, in a way, patrons for art, but without really knowing what the term, you know, now that we understand it as. They were supporting artists, buying artworks from artists, and they were, um, you know, putting things in their house and displaying it for people, their families or their friends to come and see. So there is this um, history of sort of museums and collecting, but uh, it wasn't sort of, yeah, institution, made it into an institution or a very formal government and, you know, um, uh, entity um, until much later, but it was there. So it, it's, it's, it's a, like um, Alia was just saying, it's sort of an organic and a, um, it makes sense. Yeah. It sort of comes out of something else that it builds on that. No, true, and specifically that also more or less around the same time the, the Sharjah Biennial came about yes, exactly. and developed from that. So it's always been there. And we've, we've, we've uh, we mentioned Hassan Sharif's work and the and Emirates uh, Fine Art Society in the old Michigan. So uh, going back to the Sharjah Art Museum, can, um, is, it, is, it, is there a specific kind of guiding look or feel or propaganda that you want to put, or is it any kind of art? Do you, do you, do you try to uh, keep it into something specific, or is it really open? It's, it's quite open. So like uh, it was being mentioned, I mean, it was the first art museum in the Gulf or in, in the Emirates as well. So the thing is, I mean, at that time, even now, I mean, we try to uh, display or have all kinds of exhibition. It's not just uh, focused on a certain era or a certain style. We've had everything from, let's say, 18th, 19th century Orientalist art uh, to very extremely modern conceptual art. Uh, we've had exhibitions from uh, Southeast Asia, from China, from Europe, from from the U.S., from Africa. So it's a bit of everything for, from all eras. But the thing is, I mean, being uh, an art museum and having this kind of space and the facilities that we have and the expertise, we're able to showcase all kinds of exhibitions. And uh, one of our missions is to... Uh, to create this art and cultural awareness in the society, to bring in people, uh, have give them the opportunity to experience different kinds of art, not just uh, uh, limit them to a certain style. Maybe uh, they should have that kind of exposure, and I mean it's very accessible for everyone. Uh, we don't want to limit the ideas or, or the thought process or the topics that we put on display. It's it's, uh, it's a bit of everything from all regions. And uh, from I've been to a couple of times, and I know that there is the older building and the new, newer wing that you've built more or less recently, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but how much percentage of, of your space is permanent exhibition and how much of it is rotating? So the permanent space at the moment is quite less uh, compared to the, uh, the rotating or the temporary exhibitions that we have. The permanent would be, let's say, about 30%. Uh, the remaining is for the temporary exhibitions that we have throughout the year. Uh, they're between five to six exhibitions every year. Each exhibition would last maybe two months. And these exhibitions are uh, variations. Some of them are completely organized and curated by the museum. Uh, others are just hosting. I mean, we have a lot of... Uh, uh, art institutions or entities in mm -hmm. the UAE which like to collaborate with us. So we provide them with the space and technical facilities and they would just, I mean, they would organize and curate the exhibition, but we would give them the space and maybe some basic needs. And from that 30% of the private collection that you, that you are showing, how much, of, how much percent of that is the private collection that you guys have? And is there a, a system that you grow your private collection to? 
in terms of, it's not really the private collections are uh, the museum's permanent collection. Uh, so right now, what we have on display is the Arab Modern and Contemporary Art Collection. So it's been in the museum, I mean, since the museum opened and from the exhibitions we acquire things or we get gifts or we try to buy as, I mean, whatever suits the museum's mm -hmm. uh, mission. Uh, yes, it is growing. We try to get uh, some exhibitions every year. What kind of art do you, as a Sharjah Art Museum, acquire for your collection? So right now, uh, the bulk of our collection is uh, Arab art. So we try to, I mean, complement that collection and acquire whatever goes with it or, or works with that collection. Mm -hmm. Nothing, I mean, out of the way. Unless so sometimes we do get uh, we do get gifts from artists or other. Uh, institutions, but then if we were to acquire directly, we would, I mean, try our best to make sure it, it works with our permanent okay. collection. But is it um, modern art, uh, classical art, contemporary art? What kind of Arabic art do you have? And also for our listeners, what do you call or see as Arabic art or Arab art? Uh, we would acquire modern art. Arabic art, uh, based on the collection that we have right now, would be mostly anything done by Arab artists uh, from the Arab region. Uh, it, I mean, it. I mean, you have the whole Middle Eastern region, North Africa, um, the Levant region, the, the Gulf. Anything from this side, yes, we would acquire. Okay, so, uh, so it's not necessarily quote unquote Islamic art that is only there. It's just kind of any art from somebody who's from Arab heritage, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's uh, I mean exactly what you just said. And then we have another museum in charge of the Museum of Islamic Civilization. So I'm I'm sure I mean they would mm -hmm. they would be acquiring anything Islamic related. And uh, and Manal maybe can explain that more. So then, would you guys, you and the cult and the calligraphy museum, would you fight over any acquisitions? No, no, not really. Actually, it, it has happened a few times. I mean, sometimes the, the, the calligraphy museum would get gifts or some acquisitions, we, which would not really be calligraphy, so they would just hand it over to us. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, if we would get something which is, I mean, very calligraphy-related, so that, that collection would be transferred to their museum. But then again, uh, since we are so centralized, I mean, we have a centralized department, so the collections... Uh, department uh, does the collections for all the 16 museums. So it's one database for everything. So if there is anything, I mean, calligraphy related in our museum, it would just go to their, I mean, their database. So you're saying that the budget is with Manal? Yeah, bas basically <laughs> it's with the government, which I, over which I do oversee. Um, but as Ali was saying, I mean, really, essentially, our museums are networks. Mm -hmm. So they work together. Uh, they share collections, um, and they're interchangeable sometimes, uh, like you said, because they are crossovers. You can have uh, a piece that is Arabic and Islamic and calligraphy at the same time, uh, if you want to look at it or label it that way. And so it could fit easily in three different museums. So we, we, we don't necessarily think of it as having necessarily a permanent home in any particular museum. It might be on show in one museum, and then for a different purpose, maybe a different exhibition that we might uh, put on in the, in the art museum, it would make sense to have that um, uh, work on display, so then it would be transferred. So it's, it's a very fluid sort of um, system that we have where the collections can move around uh, wherever they make sense. Um, so I'm, I'm asking this reason because a lot of times you hear how museums have, have gone to an art fair or have gone to an art show and acquired kind of established or known pieces. Yeah. Is that something that you guys do as well? Um, for us, I mean, um, as Ali was mentioning, we focus mainly on, on modern modern art because that is what we were doing initially when the museum was um, first established in the late 90s. And so um, if, we, if we find works that would 
strengthen that collection or make and make sense uh, in terms of building the collection um, by making um, specific uh, relationships between this artist and another or maybe a particular artist that we already have a work or two from and then we think well if we get some other more maybe uh, other works from that same period uh, would strengthen that particular artist's um, uh, sort of repertoire then we do that um, it makes absolute sense but I think for us now uh, contemporary art in particular is not something that we've we collect it's um, that area of expertise is clearly with the Sharjah Art Foundation and they have a, they are collecting as well as commissioning uh, a lot of work so um, they have a quite an extensive collection as it is of some absolutely you know amazing artists out there um, and so I think combined I mean again we are um, we are separate entities but we all are working obviously together and so we, we, we share a lot of that and for example coming up soon we'll have the Mona Saudi show and that will have some of the collection that Sharjah Foundation have of Mona Saudi's sculpture works but also others that will be on, um, on loan from other, uh, other places and we will be showing that in the art museum so there's a nice collaboration mm -hmm. you know uh, going across. And, and recently uh um, I don't know how much we can talk about it, but or how much the audience audience knows is that um, the Berjil Art Foundation, which is also in Sharjah, yes. and it's uh, uh, basically Sultan Qasimi's collection that is kind of extensive, which is why I opened that, and he's closing that aspect of it down and lending it to you. Is that is that the correct term? Yes, um, it's on. It's going to be on loan for a long term hang. The long term hang period will be about five years. Um, the idea behind that is that Sultan al-Qasmi has an, a really outstanding collection of, um, of Arab artwork and it has been uh, shown all across the world and has had um, absolutely amazing reviews um, in terms of the content and the curation for each of those different shows. The messages of a lot of the artworks, the interpretation that has been done and the publications that have been done in regards to the works have been really uh, important and have set the stage for a lot of uh, some of the themes uh, uh, that run through a lot of these works during particular periods of time, uh, social, economic, and geopolitical themes. And I think these are very important. And he's made sure that he's sort of, in a way, documented mm -hmm. that periods of history by, by acquiring these different works. And for us, I think in the museum, it's a great platform to be able to continue to show artworks that are essentially in private hands to a public audience. Mm -hmm. I think what he's doing is a wonderful thing. There are a lot of people who have, um, you know, uh, works in their private collections, as I mentioned earlier, which you would never know yeah. that they have them because they don't show them and they are in their private houses um, or in their private museums, which are not for, for public view. So what he's doing, which is essentially allowing everybody to view it, to see it, to learn from it, and enjoy it, I think is a wonderful thing. And we're really privileged and fortunate that uh, we'll be able to host that collection because also a lot of his collection uh, mirrors some of what we have in our collection. And we'll be able to find some interesting ties uh, between ours and theirs. And we can also look at uh, some really great programming in terms of educational programming. So uh, talks and uh, seminar series maybe, and also workshops, et cetera, that we might put together in collaboration with uh, Bargeel to to make the most out of having this collection you know, in the museum. Because as you know, the museum is a free museum. That means it's open for everyone. And the most the largest amount of people and will be able to to be able to see this um so so alia for you now with this kind of extra access would you be when you when you start work on the temporary exhibitions would this be part of that or would this be a mixture of your permanent ones and, and on display in that section of it for the bargeel show yes 
So the Barjil exhibition would be displayed uh, right across from our permanent collection. So this way, I mean, like Manal was mentioning, it really complements our existing collection really well. Uh, and then we will be having a, an extensive education program for it as well, which, in, which will include workshops, talks, seminars, in collaboration with uh, Barjil. Uh, so that's on the first floor. So that area is completely excluded or, or, or quite, uh, I mean, let's say, away from the uh, temporary exhibitions. Temporary exhibitions usually take place on the ground floor and in the other section, which is behind the museum. So, I mean, once people walk in, I mean, they will be able to identify or, or make sense uh, that the permanent collection is here and just right across from it would be the Barjil show, which is, I mean, it's quite, it works really well because the collection is quite similar. And so now about the temporary ones. How do you go about deciding what goes? Is there an annual, biannual, uh, decade-long system? Is it a, a group conversation? Do you have to submit all this to, to Manal, has then submitted to somebody else? I mean, in the end, it goes under what I would, what I would estimate a bureaucratic system, in a, in a sense, no? Um, throughout the year, we get a lot of uh, proposals uh, from different artists, even like museums uh, around the world, art institutions. I mean, it just, I mean, it, it, it's all over. I mean, every month we, we would get proposals. So what I do is I gather the ones I think work well with our museum and with our mission and the collection that we have on display. And then I would just maybe sort them by priority. And uh, every few months, two, three months, I would just update Manal on the proposals that I have or the ones I think might be suitable. So once we're deciding on our future programs, on our budgets, uh, we would then decide which ones need to go in the museum, which one need to be. I mean, we can just apologize to these people. So it happens throughout the year. I mean, there is no specific time for it, and there is no a deadline for proposals or these agenda meetings. It just happens whenever. I mean, uh, sometimes the other, uh, like Barjil or other, or even the Sharjah Art Foundation, they might refer to us some exhibition which they think would work well with the museum. So we look into that as well. And then we have all kinds of collaboration. Usually for our schedules and our programs, we, would, we plan it two years in advance. Okay. So anything we would be receiving right now would probably go into 2019 or 2020. And more or less, uh, it's each show is about two to three months? Yes. I mean, yeah, each show is about two to three months because we have a quite a busy schedule. I mean, uh, the exhibitions are just one after the next. So we try to put in like a gap of two to three weeks between each for installation, for preparations of the galleries. But yeah, I mean, it is quite busy and back to back. And can you tell us about now, before we go into the education and, and all those things, which are quite interesting and quite, uh, quite extravagant, uh, in a positive sense, the uh, let's start with the audiences. Kind of the how do the audience? How are they aware of it? How does the marketing come in? How, how have the numbers been growing? Um, and, and then, is there difference? Is it more schools? Is it more private uh, people just walking in every day? Uh, in terms of the audiences for the art museum, uh, majority of the audiences are the school groups. Uh, we have a lot of uh, schools coming in, uh, public and private. In addition to university students, college students, um, just yesterday actually we had a group visiting from Ireland. They were from the University of Ireland and they had specifically chosen the art museum as part of their, uh, their itinerary when they visited the UAE. So we, I mean, that's, uh, let's say, the largest uh, part of our uh, audiences. And then we have a lot of uh, families, tourists coming in, as well as the art enthusiasts. I mean, you have so many art exhibitions and art events happening all over the UAE. So many of these people would come to the museum as well. Uh, it depends on what show is on display at the moment. But uh, 
It's a variation of all, but mostly schools. Is it possible to discuss your, your marketing? Has your marketing or advertising changed and developed over the years in terms of uh, reaching out to audiences in Sharjah versus the rest of the United Arab Emirates, or even um, how your social media has developed that interaction? Because that keeps coming up in a lot of conversations yeah. with other people. And I guess also the three of us had had a, a little argument about that about some previous show. So it would be interesting to get into that detail. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to mention, though, I mean, just to echo what Ali was saying, it is very difficult. Um, it's a challenge to cater to a lot of different uh, tastes and to a lot of uh, different uh, people and their sort of their entry point when they come into a museum, where their level is at how they understand or um, can appreciate specific types of, of art from whether it's conceptual or it's, you know, it's something a bit more, let's say, uh, uh, easier for people if it's a if it's a print or a, or a painting, um, more accessible maybe if it's um, it's a, not something that's abstract. So you have to always think about what are you showing, uh, what material do you have to accompany it in terms of let's say labels, uh, explanation uh, where needed, and also with the um, educational programs that you have alongside it to help to allow people to explore. What, what that is, uh, what they're seeing, and understand it differently, or to ask questions, or to think about things in a bit more depth. But building on that, I think from for us, from a marketing perspective, we've always had a very clear directive from His Highness, the ruler of Sharjah, which was always that the, our main audience should be children. He wants the young generation, mm -hmm. uh, children, particularly uh, in the case of school uh, children, to have access to museums and to learn from them and to be inspired by them and um, to find their creativity uh, through through that experience. And then, of course, secondary to that would be uh, local families, families within the community to, to again, find these find these institutions as something that they believe is their own, and then uh, tourists and, and other uh, visitors being sort of our, our, our third uh, group that we look at in terms of um, priority. Of course, they're all important, but that's kind of how we look at it in terms of where we're targeting. So a lot of our marketing is targeted towards specific those specific groups in different ways. So we have to kind of alter that depending on what we're doing. A lot of our educational activities are geared towards children and families together so that they can experience uh, a learning environment together. And so we do that a lot through um, our social media and also through um, word of mouth and uh, people, of course, who come to one and enjoy it will come to another and they'll tell their friends and it, it sort of goes uh, that way. Um, in terms of like regular advertising, we, we continue to do a lot of work uh, to ensure that we are you know, presenting ourselves in um, well-known publications, different magazines that are read that are maybe specific to arts and culture. We um, we do a lot of uh, roadside advertising. We'll find billboards and things like that all over different parts of the UAE, including uh, Dubai, but also um, Ajman and different um, other Emirates that are neighboring Sharjah. Mm -hmm. um, we we do a lot of um, different types of. Um, uh, uh, media coverage um, through a radio as well, which was, has been very popular, trying to ensure that people know that's what's going on and also do um, shows on the radio to talk about different different um, things and, that are happening. And is this all in-house or do you have like agencies or how does that uh, go? We have an in-house team, of course, that coordinate a lot of it and do some aspects of it, but we also um, uh, um, have a company that helps with the social media because that is uh, it's quite a big job in mm -hmm. itself. Uh, posting, especially when you're posting 
existing for so many different museums, and each one has their, you know, their own uh, nuances and, like we said, different sort of demographic to some extent, and a different range of, of exhibitions. I mean, when you're pitching a show uh, like a, like the Cobra show that was um, very um, colorful and kind of whimsical and and childish to a certain degree in terms of its um, representation, if, you know, if I simplify it that way, and then you want to pitch something like Khalil Gibran exhibition of, of his paintings. I mean, they're so different, and you you have to sometimes find out how are you going to figure out where to and how to um, put that forward uh, to to a different audience because it's going to attract different people. But also, I think uh, what's important for us is that we we use as many companies that we can that work best with us that uh, that we have worked with over a period of years to explain to them and to uh, work with them on what our needs are and how we can best ensure people are aware of what's going on. It's it's difficult. It, it is a lot of, I have to say, in terms of challenges, it's, it's, an ex- it's expensive. You know, uh, it keeps going up uh, more and more, the cost of... Um, advertising in different in different mediums um, also the time that it takes to think about what you're doing how you're going to present something and what you're going to write and then translate as well because we do everything in both languages is also it's a time consuming exercise as well and following up on people's queries etc so you know we, we're doing a lot we just launched an app which I'm hoping will will help a lot um, it, it's la- it's been launched on the Android at the moment and the iPhone will soon follow hopefully within the next uh, week or so so then that will be able it's a free app to download and it will help people to navigate and find out what's going on in the museums and what are the exhibitions happening and how to what's uh, the name of the app um, Sharjah um, Museums Authority will be okay. the would be the. It actually is interesting that it shows because a lot of times, and and I'm I'm, I'm quite kind of I guess rough would be the best explanation to it on social media when these interactions happen, yeah. and I've had a conversation with this with the with the Sharjah Art Foundation, and I've always uh, kind of given them a, a, a all the love for their website because their website is my favorite yeah, one, uh, even in terms of global things, um, while your social media is a lot more kind of hands-on and interactive, especially that I've seen it cross-work across, um, all the multiple museums that you have, and specifically the Charger Art Museum, versus the Charger Culture, which I'm very unhappy with, but that's a separate conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's good that you realize kind of what points are, are lacking and giving it to a professional team yeah. to manage and run and to, to keep you guys up to date with everything that's going on, especially now. If you're talking about your main audiences as university and school kids, this is how they communicate. That's yes. their language now. Yeah. And it's good to be able to, to, to communicate with them on their level and at their, at their pace. Um, and so now moving from this to the educational mm-hmm. uh, platform. Um, and when, when I mean educational, and I'd love you guys to, to, to fix it for me, it, it ranges from seminars to, to workshops to residencies even, or how does that go? We still don't <clears throat> have a residency program yet, but in terms of education, I can talk about the art museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <clears throat> so in terms of education uh, for the Sharjah Art Museum, uh, like uh, again, like it's a centralized system. So we have an education team which do programs for all the museums. So when it comes to the art museum, uh, uh, we meet with them very regularly. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the year, the middle, at the end. I mean, that's the, these are the main meetings. But then in terms of exhibitions, whenever there is a temporary exhibition coming up, we would meet with them well in advance just to prepare 
them and let them know what is happening. This is our schedule for the year. And then based on the information that I would give them, they would start planning their workshops. Uh, it's mainly workshops that they would do. In case if there is a seminar or a, an art talk or something, uh, I would be... The, uh, directly involved in that in terms of organizing, getting the people, but then they would help me or support me in, in some ways. Coming back to the workshops, I mean, uh, what they do is quite amazing. So they have uh, specialists for each uh, demographic from the society. So they would do workshops for toddlers, for uh, school kids, I mean, uh, in different uh, age groups and different uh, teaching levels. They have programs for universities and colleges. Uh, they also have special programs for people with determination, with special needs. Uh, they also do uh, special tours for people with uh, hearing uh, aids or if there is even for visually impaired, they have uh, workshops for them as well. So based on the exhibition that I have, and the requirements that I would give them, uh, and especially the works which will be on display. I mean, that's a, uh, a major uh, core point in this. Uh, if the works are suitable or what is the target audience for this exhibition, they would start customizing or, or doing the, their workshop plan. Uh, when it comes to the permanent collection, we have a, uh, let's say we have a, uh, like a full program running throughout the year. It's always there. I mean, you can book it through the website or you can call the museum. We would give you the workshops that are being offered during that time, and they would just need to reserve or book in advance. And are these free of charge for the, for the, for the public, or how does it go? For the art museum, yes, everything is free. I mean, even the entrance is free of charge. The workshops are free of charge. But for the other museums, there's a very nominal fee that they need to pay. And, and so they would go on to sharjahmuseum.ae? Yes. So you can go through the main website, chargermuseums.ae, and then you can select which museum you would like to visit. Uh, if it's the art museum, then you can open the art museum page and then select the school or annual programs and just put in the main details, I mean, the name of the school, the number of students coming in, uh, the timings, and then somebody would get back to but you. But can someone privately do it? Just say, I, like, if, if uh, would I go onto your website and see the annual workshops? And if I have three children and it says this is for the ages of 7 to 10, can I just personally plug that in and, and, and join? Uh, for the families, uh, again, yes. I mean, there's a other section for families as well. So throughout the month, uh, I mean, if there is any family workshop being mm -hmm. offered, it's usually on weekends. They can just look through the dates. I mean, if, if it works out for them or if there is something being offered either in the art museum or in the other museums, they can just book it. And is there anything that you guys do with adults in either Arabic or English? So... And this is just a question that popped up now, just because my parents are getting to an age where it's less work and more get a new hobby, try something new, figure something out. And my mom isn't necessarily the best in, best in English, so she prefers something Arabic. So would you have, is that something you guys think of? Yes, we do. Uh, the, I mean, the, the education department, they do uh, workshops for adults as well. Like, for example, recently we had an exhibition uh, for Thuray al-Baqsami, Lasting Impressions. I mean, her expertise is mainly in printmaking. Mm -hmm. So she was here for a while uh, during the exhibition, and then there was a special workshop just for adults only. Uh, it was about printmaking, and she was, I mean, the artist herself was here, and she was teaching the audience, I mean, the adults, how to do basic prints and how to do the printmaking. So we have, I mean, like I said, I mean, we do workshops for all audiences, but it depends on the content of the exhibition, if the work is suitable for which uh, demographic. And I know from personal experience that with my young collectors group, you guys have brilliant tours 
and uh, an excellent tour guide to kind of uh, walk around and, and really give us details beyond what is even written and, and the presentation. That's always interesting, and it creates a it's a dialogue that's there. Even when we were having our tour, more people came in and attached themselves, and it was friendly enough and flexible enough to, to adapt to all of them and still be able to flow. So on that aspect, that's a, a positive thing that you guys have and should always continue. Thank you. So I guess now when it comes to... Um, your your points mm-hmm. be, going back to being under the governmental umbrella are there any uh, i mean i i'm 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 assuming these these educational uh, segments have to, uh, something you need to tick the box is there like a return on investment type of thing are there are there any fulfillments you as the Sharjah Art Museum has to do per year to keep getting funding to keep being the the liked museum um in terms of return on investment I think for us, it's the return on investment is to have, is to basically you invest in people, and the best return you can get is somebody, is somebody f- who grows, and learns from their experience in in a museum in whatever in whatever whatever way that is. So basically, for us, it's it's not a very easy thing to measure. And I think that's a lot of a lot of museums around the world have this sort of dilemma to a certain degree when people try to quantify, mm-hmm. you know, how how is your museum successful? Now, of course, you can look at numbers and you can look at sales of in the retail, etc. But really, essentially, a museum for me is not set up is not set up for that purpose. Okay. Uh, and they, for in the case of Sharjah, that's absolutely you know that's the that's the truth in this case. The museums were always set up as a as a learning space, an informal learning space, and they were set up to be a community space, one where everyone was welcome, anyone can come, and and hopefully learn something. And learning is a is a very personal experience. I think everybody learns in different ways, mm-hmm. and that's why, as Ali was mentioning, we try to cater to different uh, different age groups. We try to, to cater to different needs, um, uh, different abilities, and I think that's important to make sure that people feel included and in, um, and inclusive in that space. But at the same time, we also know that yes, everybody likes to learn the way they they want to. Some people like a tour. I personally don't like tours. I like to just look at things by myself. I often like to not know what I'm going to see before I see it. And then once I see the show, I go back and I read information off the internet. And, and then I start to go, oh, well, that was interesting that what I saw was about this or this artist is, you know, um, this is their, you know, something interesting about their life or whatever it might be or what influenced them in their artwork. So I like to do it sort of the, the reverse where some people like to know everything ahead of time. So everybody has a different way they're looking at or hearing. Um, they like to listen to audio guides and, and be told the story as they look at artworks, which we also have those available in our museum. So it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting aspect, I think, to, to think about how you can always enhance that experience as much as possible um, for all different generation groups. And especially what you have to think about, I mean, often, of course, like we said, if, you're not ha- if they're not school children, then they're families. Mm-hmm. And in a family, you have to think about how you're actually dealing with a unit that are different generations. So you have a very young child, and then you have maybe a teenager, and then you might have parents, and you might have grandparents. But, but how, does this get, how does this go into you judging whether the museum is doing well or not? Well, it ju- it, how I judge it is when we look, at, we look at families' units who come together and how they are interacting with one another. Okay. And I think it's, it's often... It's um, it's how they experience the museum and what they tell us after the visit. So to have 
to have a sort of multi-generational family to come together and say, you know, they really enjoyed this or they enjoyed this aspect and the kids liked this and, you know, or that they were different ways that they could, um, you know, in, interact in that space and enjoy is, is a great is a great way for us to feel that we're doing something okay. right. If people, of course, give us a lot of great feedback in our visitor books or in our surveys that we do um, online as well as in the museum space saying that, you know, they've learned something new or they had a great experience. And I'll never forget a particular time. This was just a few months ago when... Um, in the Islamic Museum, um, our curator, she, she picked out a particular comment that was left in a book, and it was about a, a 55-year-old woman who had said this was her first time in a museum, and she had the most amazing experience, and she had learned so much, and she felt kind of regretted that she'd never been in one before, but it was just so nice to see that, you know, at any age, you can enter a museum, and you can find something that hopefully speaks to you and makes you... Um, you know, look at the world in a different way. And I think that's hard, yes, to, to measure sometimes, but I think if there are a lot of studies that have been done, though, over periods of years about how, how do children um, who experience museums and exhibitions and exposure to arts education in general, how, what happens to them as they grow older? And there are a lot of positive studies that say they tend to do well overall in other subject matters. Without those negative Yeah, no, but, but there's generally, yeah, that, you know, and they're also much more um, able to formulate opinions. They, they tend to think more creatively. They tend to be more innovative. So there's a lot of positive things that go in there which um, are not necessarily, you know, t tangible or measurable in that okay. sense, but they're more about how they affect the person in terms of their skill set later on, but also just in your soul. And I think that's also a hard thing to measure, what it's like to stand in front of something and have it, like, sort of hurt in your heart because it's either so beautiful or it's something really meaningful or it suddenly resonates with you, you know, or it has, it makes, um, it changes you, you know, and I think that happens to a lot of people in, in that space. And in, the, in terms of learning for the museum, uh, at least for the Sharjah Museum, which is what we're focusing now, how would you compare yourselves to other museums in terms of do you have sister museums? Do you look up to some museums try to learn from them? Yeah. Do you interact with other international ones? How does that go? Because to be fair, globally, you are still a young, a very young museum. Yeah. I mean, 20 years maybe for here is a lot, but for the rest of the world, it's a ripple and nothing. Yes, that's true. I think um, for, for me, I've never looked at it in terms of, you know, we've been around for 25 years and they've been around for 50 or 100. I've always looked at it as how can how can we learn always from, from others, but also how can they learn from us? Because I think it's always a mutual, uh, mutual situation. I think um, to assume that someone else is the authority and knows everything and you're there just to, to take what you can from mm -hmm. them and that they won't ha learn anything in, you know, in return is not, a, is not a good recipe. I think it's, it's, it, it, you, won't learn, you don't get a really good um, learning experience out of that. I think everybody can learn from each other, whether it's looking at multicultural aspects of working in different environments, whether it's about looking at um, you know, working in a bilingual environment um, and how that affects uh, you know, interpretation of works, etc. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that we also deal with, which I think a lot of uh, other institutions abroad uh, that we you know, admire and also think do well, uh, do very well in different aspects would say, it's amazing that you're able to do this, let's say, put on a show in six months. You know, we need five years to do something like that. Mm -hmm. But you're able to, to put together things so much quicker or your decision-making system is a lot faster. Um, or, you know, you're 
able to uh, just your turnover is much quicker and you know you can relate to your audiences in a different way maybe your community is much closer than ours it's and we have it's harder to to have uh, particular types of uh, you know links with with our community so it's really excellent for us that you know we do some things that are interesting and and um, and advanced, in, if you want to call it that, in their in their eyes, and the same as how we look at theirs, uh, and some of the things that they do. And I think for us, we've worked with a lot of institutions abroad. Uh, I would say mainly uh, institutions in Germany and in the UK, but also from different um, um, other countries, including Italy and the US and um, Australia now, for example. And so it's been wonderful to um, learn from everybody and have an opportunity to really think about how you know, together, um, we can always uh, work to improve and to develop, you know, our, our various skills. I mean, as Salia mentioned earlier on uh, in our conversation, you know, she was saying how, you know, at, there was a certain time we didn't have a lot of these skills in terms of qualifications, mm -hmm. let's say, of arts and um, museums or management, or arts management being taught here. And I think there's a lot to say that, you know, it's wonderful we do have those programs now, but, you know, also you do need practical experience and working is very different than just learning from, from books, I have to admit. So, you know, I think it's important to have both, but if you don't, I think learning at work uh, on the ground is very important, and we've had a lot of great experiences where we've sent staff abroad to uh, to learn um, from different museums in their different, uh, maybe different departments. Uh, we've also had people come here and provide workshops and training for our, for our staff, and it, we spend a lot of money invested. We invest a lot in our human capital, and our capacity building, and I think it shows um, over the last few years how much um, we've developed in that area. And if, if anybody kind of from, from, from Sharjah or from the Emirate or from the region wants to get into work like this, what is, what is their best thing to study or what did you guys study to be able to come in? What, what, are, what is your advice to anybody wanting to, to get into this industry? Um, well, I would say, you know, in museums, I think you'd be surprised at how, um, I think this is, I guess this is what surprised most people. Most people assume that if you're going to work in museums, you have to have a degree in museums or in uh, specific arts related field like art history or curating or something like that. That's true to a certain extent. However, there is literally a plethora of jobs that don't require you to have that background. I mean, when you look at the authority in itself as a, as a headquarter office, we have, like I mentioned before, we have a, a marketing communications team. We have an HR team, a finance team, an IT team, an administration team, uh, you know, uh, conservation and collections management. We have facilities and maintenance and operations. It just goes on and on. So there's a lot of different areas where you can find a job you know, or a career working in any of those other fields, but but working within the context of a museum, you know, uh, authority or, or an entity that looks after museums. So if you have an interest in arts, but it's not, you know, your main uh, sort of area of wh what you studied or what you continue a progressive career in, then it's great. You can be in, in both environments. You can do what you what you studied, accounting, for example, but work within a context of museums. And I think it's a nice balance to have both if that's something you're interested in. But of course, if you have a particular background in the arts and you really want to work as a curator or as a researcher or as an exhibition designer or something that's very quite specific to sometimes museum work, then, you know, luckily there are uh, a lot of new programs out there. But I think a lot can be learned at work as well. I mean, we've had, you know, we had to 
at the time, of course, employ a lot of people who didn't have those degrees, but they're doing great jobs now because they have learned over you know, the course of those years with internal and external training that's happened um, on the job to, have, to allow them to be able to, to do the jobs they have to do now. So I think it's, it's always very important that you work as much as possible, even if it's interning when you're younger um, and uh, doing different jobs. When I started, you know, before I started my official job, I, I worked in, I interned in different areas in the museum world, and I went from data, you know, cataloging to literally vacuuming um, carpets at a carpet collection, uh, which was under, I guess, collections management, you would have called it. Um, and then also, in a way, curating. I helped curate an Islamic uh, calligraphy exhibition. So I did a variety of things, as well as, oh, photography. I remember doing that for a particular scholar who had a really wonderful collection of uh, Indian artwork. So I've done a variety of things, and I think you learn something from everything. Sometimes, even if, if it's not directly related to your work, you will always learn. It's about working with people. It's about challenging yourself. It's about time management. It's about you know completing tasks, you know things like that. These all build your confidence and allow you to do a better job, whatever it might be. And do you want to add anything, Alias? Yeah, yeah I would uh, definitely add a few points. I mean, like Manal was just saying, it, it. I mean, once you go through these different jobs, I mean, it really puts into context everything. So once, I mean, when you become the director or the curator of the museum, you completely understand exactly everything what's happening in the museum. So you're able to manage it better because you know the role of each person because you have actually done it yourself. I mean, at the time when I started off as an ex uh, exhibitions coordinator, we did not have this number of staff. Mm. <clears throat> so I used to do a lot of things from uh, archiving to actually coordinating an exhibition to maybe even co-curating uh, photography, uh, being a guide for a time, maybe like doing all these different jobs. Uh, but then as we progressed and all these job titles became more clear, but then when I came now to managing the museum, it, it, it helps me a lot because I know the role of each person, so I'm able to manage it better. Uh, so, and I know who's working and who's not working, what they're supposed to do, so it helps a lot. Oh, that's, that's interesting. And I'd like to, to end the, the, the interview with uh, what's coming up for, for the Sharjah Museum and the shows that are there. And I'm going to put all the links on our, on our SoundCloud. So can you, can you give us some, uh, some updates? Yes, so for 2018, we have a lot of exciting shows coming up. Uh, we have an exhibition uh, for the Sudanese artist, Salah Al-Mur. It will go on till the 2nd of June. Uh, it's a solo show for the artist, and it will focus on a certain uh, period of his childhood. Uh, we have about 80 works on display. And then the following show will be for Mona Saoudi. Uh, she's a Jordanian sculpture artist. I mean, it, that will be, again, it's an interesting exhibition and a collaboration with the Sharjah Art Foundation. Uh, again, that exhibition will go on till first week of June. Uh, and then we have the Barjil show coming up, which is, I think everyone is really looking forward to that. I mean, I have a, quite a few people, they keep asking me when is it opening, so that should be up very soon. Um, after the summer, we have uh, our Lasting Impression series, and this year the artist in focus will be the Palestinian-Jordanian artist Mahil Shamot. Uh, and then we have an exhibition for the Saudi artist Abdel Nasser Gharim. Uh, in addition to that, the final exhibition hopefully will be the Islamic Art Festival, which is in collaboration with the Department of Culture. But the Islamic Art Festival, is that an annual uh, festival that you guys participate in? 
Yes, it's an annual festival that the Department of Culture, they organize it, they curate uh, everything, and it's uh, actually placed in different locations around Sharjah. But the main art exhibit is uh, held at the museum, and it's opened officially. I mean, that's one of their main highlights of the entire festival. Uh, we just host it, and we give them the spaces and some help, but, I mean, the organizing and the co-curating part is completely from their side. So from the other shows, you had mentioned the Sudani artist, uh, Salah Al-Mur and uh, the Jordanian artist Mona Saudi. Um, are they overlapping at one point? Is it kind of multiple wings that are presenting? Yes, they will be overlapping. I mean, it's just the one week between the, both the openings. So they're both in the ground floor uh, and they're like in opposite galleries. So once you enter the museum, on your right would be the Salah Al-Mur exhibition and then on your left is the Mona Saudi show. I mean, again, they both work well together and they're both at the museum at the same time. So, I mean, people can get a feel or an idea of the various things that can be on display at the museum. That's interesting because a lot of times when I've been to the Charge Museum, you do get to see one shows and, 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 and in a sense it's curated well enough that the reflection or it, it creates interesting conversation with the, with the show opposite to it, let alone the permanent selection that I always try to take my tourist friends or the ones just at least in, in Dubai to, to come in and, and experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think, it's, I think it's very important to just mention this, that the Art Museum is such an important institution and very well established, you know, in Sharjah as well as in in the whole region. But I think because of how well it's been, it's how successful it's been in the past. I have to say, you know, it is a it's a very sought out space. Um, a lot of people want to work, you know, with us and or have the space uh, for their exhibitions. Um, and it's very difficult, you know, to 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 cater to to all the different entities and uh, organizations and museums etc that want to to want to have a show so we were very fortunate that we had this extension to the museum happen uh, you know um, over a decade ago and that really helped to um, give us more space but to be honest it is still really difficult we have to turn away a lot of uh, people and we like uh, Alia mentioned earlier um, that the process for proposals, we have to be somewhat ruthless sometimes. We would love to do a lot of these shows, but we honestly just don't have the space and the capacity. I mean, we're already doing so many shows, and like you said, you know, they they happen all at the same time, relatively overlapping. So it's a lot of work for the for the staff to deinstall, install, you know, repaint, redo flooring, for example, change lighting, um, hang the works, etc. It's it's very labor intensive, um, as well as of course doing all the work that has to be done for every show to have the educational team prepare for it and design specific. Uh, learning um, programs for those shows, so it's it's a lot of lot of work, and the turnover is very quick. You know, two months might seem like a long time, but it really isn't. It's a very mm-hmm. short time for all the work and uh, the, the the money that goes into these shows uh, to make them the best that they can be. And I think you know we I'm very proud of what the museum has been doing. Um, ever since um, you know, it has been uh, born, so to speak, because it's always been um, dedicated to, to the local community and ensuring that there are particular events that we will always hold there as important you know, events that we think are important for people to enjoy, such as the Islamic Festival, but also the calligraphy biennial, the Sharjah biennial that takes place, uh, parts of it in the museum, and other uh, activities like Lasting Impressions that she just mentioned with Ismail Shamult for this year. I mean, that particular series is a very important one. It's one that we curate as, as a museum, and we believe we have to 
um, always ensure that as much as we're showing international work, that we also continue to support and highlight important Arab artists um, in, 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 this, uh, in this field. So I think it's a, it's a great balance of both. And it's, we don't always get it right all the time. I mean, you know, we, we do our best, but it's, it's a, it, is a, it is a big job to, to think about what are you going to show, how are you going to show it, and what you're going to show at the same time. And like I said, all the things that go around it, the behind the scenes, I think, is, is a lot more uh, extensive than people could possibly imagine. So really, you know, I, I can't thank the team enough for the work that they put in, you know, for, for every show that they do, because it is a lot, a lot of work. Thank you, Manal. Um, that was a uh, positive, happy ending for, for everybody and, and all the work that Alia herself has put in. And so this interview comes to an end. We, we just had a conversation with Manal Ataya, who's the Director General of Museum Departments, as well as Alia Al-Mullah, who's the creator of Sharjah Museum. Thank you very much for, again, for, for talking to me and extensively discussing everything. And for everyone listening, you can find more of their, more of their information on sharjahmuseums.ae. And as always, um, you can listen and download and rate and comment on Tea with Culture on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you guys very much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. And goodbye.